The following audio is from Christ Presbyterian Church in Nashville, Tennessee, where our mission is to follow Christ and His mission of loving people, places, and things to life. For more information about Christ Presbyterian Church, please visit ChristPres.org. Today's scripture is Galatians 5, 7-12. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to Christ. Thanks, Adam. Well, good morning again. My name is Stacy Croft, and um, welcome to our visitors this morning. If you're visiting for any reason, uh, and for the baptism as well, and uh, I'm the lead pastor here at our uh, Music Row location of Christ Presbyterian Church, and I would love to get to know you. If uh, you sign those black books, I hope you put your email. If I've never gotten to grab coffee or lunch with you before, I'd love to do that and get to know your story and um, and answer any questions uh, and talk to you, especially. If you have some about church or Christianity or, or just how to get involved. Um, I just got an email this morning or yesterday from two really good friends of mine that I grew up in high school, some of my close friends in high school, and they were, happened to run into each other and have lunch and sent a picture, you know, one of those things where you're like, hey, look who I ran into, and you get those kind of texts or emails, you know. And uh, I saw it and I, it just flashed me back to uh, when I got married. And um, that I had these guys there as a part of my wedding party. <clears throat> and, you know, we had this great ceremony. It was beautiful in, in Houston, Texas, and nice, you know, humid July weather in, in Houston, Texas. You can only imagine. That's kind of what we're actually longing for probably at this moment. And um, they, I remember we were left the wedding, went to the reception, um, and we were there for a while. And I all of my groomsmen and even part of the usher's wedding party just weren't there yet. And I'm sitting there looking around going, what is going on? Well, they come in kind of like, you know, about half an hour later, kind of huff, you know, just disheveled. And they're all running in like, oh, yeah, okay, we're here, we're here, you know, acting like nothing's wrong. And I'm going, what, what in the world? Where have you been? Well, I started talking to them, and they said that they got in our cars. They're like, hey, let's caravan because, you know, we're not from here, so we can help each other. They start driving, and they got the, you know, you have the map with the whole, um, you know, here's the church, and there's like a cross for the church, and there's like a heart for the reception and all those things. And they start driving, and they just are driving. They just keep driving. And if you know anything about Houston, Texas, fourth, third or fourth largest city in the United States, they're driving so far, they're like almost out of Houston. And they start going, where is this place? There's the heart, here's the cross, we should have driven there. Well, they stop, they pull over, they get out of the car, and they look at each other, and the guy in the front who was driving in the very front, the front car says, oh man, I've been driving to the answer key. You know the key at the bottom that says cross equals, heart equals, you know the key, the legend? They're not driving to the thing on the map, they're driving to the key. Now, they, these people represented me in my wedding. And they were never going to get there until somebody goes, dude, where are you driving to? That is really uh, 
a perfect example, and I think of it often because it is a perfect example of how subtle movements get us completely off track. Uh, We've been looking at a letter uh, that Paul wrote um, so early on in his ministry of a church that he started, he founded, and there's deep, great relationships. And he leaves this church, and in behind him comes this group that essentially says, yeah, Paul was he was fine, but he doesn't really have everything it takes for you to be a Christian. You kind of need to do a little more. To get past the finish line, to get over the hump, you've got, you got to take on new rituals. You've got to become a little different. You've got to change your personality. You've got to do some subtle things. Yeah, Jesus died for your sins, but there's, there's more for that. And Paul's writing to them, and I don't know if, if, you've, if you've been here before, and welcome if you're new. Again, welcome if you've never even heard of Galatians. It's a letter that's really over and over and over, layering the fact that there are these nuances, not all at once, but that happened. They thought they were running well. That's what he says, right? You were running well. And then they look up, and all of a sudden, they're not even in the same spot, not even close. And it's not something that happens all at once. It's something that happens subtle over time. It's some of those things that come in that it's that soft turn that once you realize you've just turned just a slight degree, you're off by many steps down the road. It happens in so many places in our life. It's not just this. Uh, If you read in in, in business uh, journals and articles, it's it's those things like in Forbes magazine, I just read recently, said, you know, it's subtle things. It's not, you know, people say, don't sweat the small stuff. This article is saying the small stuff matters. And here's why, because the small stuff develops culture in an office, in a home, in a friendship. It's the little things that build it up. And if anybody will tell you in, in, in business, I've heard this a lot lately, in any organization, culture eats strategy for breakfast. You ever heard that before? What that means in, 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 in that context, you've never heard it, it means that those, that nuances, what you've developed, whether it's in an office, a home, or wherever, in, in a church, destroys any program, anything you try and set in place. Why? Because it's the life you live. It's the subtle nuances. It's the life on life together. And for some reason, the Galatian church has believed that this thing that Paul gave them, the good news, the gospel that Jesus Christ is not good enough. It needs something to make it better news. And that's where we get to. We can get to that place. And we look up and we sit in a church maybe like this and we go, you know, I don't really feel anything towards God. Or maybe your prayer life feels like I don't really pray anymore. Maybe there's some anger or resentment. Maybe there's just apathy. Maybe it's something that you're just kind of going, yeah, what, what makes this Christianity stuff work? And all of a sudden you find yourself way off the map. That's a subtle thing. That's what he's been doing. And we're going to look at this in a few ways that he kind of layers in these verses. We're going to ask the question and look at it in three ways. The subtle effects, the burden, and the main thing. The subtle effects that take us, right? The burden. There is a burden in Christianity, but what is it? And how do we know? And then finally, the main thing. What is the main thing? You know, what is that main thing that we can get back to? And Paul draws out here. When he begins, he says, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Who hindered you? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. He gives two illustrations, actually. He begins this way to say, it's the subtle nuances that take us off, right? 
It's the subtle things. In fact, the word uh, hindered you is a word that means cut you off. It's something that means you're running. If any of you have done any sort of running or athletic thing, uh, it's something that gets in your way and all of a sudden makes you swerve. It takes you off. It's not something huge. It's something that, that an obstacle that made them move. If you ever watch the the Olympics are coming back up soon. Uh, If you watch the Olympics, uh, oftentimes we can watch them with um, eyes that are a little bit kind of like, ah, they're just running or they're swimming really fast um, or they, it's just because they train. Well, it's really more in those technicalities of running that there are steps, unique steps that they have measured over and over and over. Um, I, I was uh, able to run track. I walked on and track in college, nothing of the Olympic caliber sort, but enjoyed uh, that. And one of the events that I was able to do was the 110 high hurdles. Uh, the 110 high hurdles um, come up to about here on me. Um, so, you know, when you're having to jump over something like that, technique matters, right? And when I was running them, uh, we were so, uh, our um, group, so to speak, and when I was running certain meets, um, I did decathlon, and so they, they put us in lower rankings. And they would, they wouldn't, you know, usually you see uh, people running uh, next to each other in the track. They actually separate us by a, by a lane because our technique was often so bad you would hit the person next to you, okay? So they would put us, and even then, you could hit, you could feel somebody's hand go, when, you, when your arm went out like this when it wasn't supposed to go there because the technique was off. And I remember this when I was running, one of my biggest struggles was my steps in between hurdles. And every inch matters. Every inch. If I was off, and, I, and I, it, this routinely happened to me, when I would jump a hurdle and I didn't reach far enough, I was losing ground. So by the time I got to the last three, four hurdles, I was having to chop my steps and then jump over them in a way that looked so awkward and terrible that you would never even want to see it and consider it to attract me. But it matters. It's those inches. It's the small things. That's what Paul is getting at. He's actually referencing this. He does this often in his, his letters and, and in other places. It's reference to the, the games that he would see or that they saw in the Roman culture, the running games. And the techniques that were used in those games, he's talking about those things. It's not the big thing. It's the little subtle things that take us off course. And do we, are we aware of that? Th- think about this for a second, not just in Forbes and those kind of things, but even uh, I was reading even in uh, um, uh, Sports Illustrated uh, recently, and just uh, one of the coaches, Frank Reich, who's the head coach of the uh, Indianapolis Colts, talking about what it's like to have a, a culture uh, on a team, not just to win games, but he says the, the way you win or lose isn't in these big meetings. It's not one game or another. It's death by inches. He said you lose death by inches. It's the little things going along. And we know that to be true. We know that in a friendship. When our friendships find themselves kind of broken, it's not just one, usually one huge event. It's subtle things that happen along the way that begin to sift and drift our friendship apart. Happens in a marriage. You find yourself in a place where your marriage is on the rocks, or, or maybe you've been there before, or maybe you're in that place now. And you look up and go, how do we get to this point where we have such a hard time even communicating or being in the same room? Isn't it just the small things along the way that we find ourselves arguing, we find ourselves disagreeing about? Or parenting. It's not, 
It's not the things that the big talks we have. It's the small moments of driving a kid to school, right? Putting him down to bed, giving him a shower, a bath, and having those small conversations in between. It's those moments that build up the big pieces of us, the character of who we are. That's what Paul's getting at. He's saying what hindered us from obeying the truth or letting those small little things come in. And he's not just saying athletically. He's saying it even, he uses it even with leaven, right? He talks about leaven, which is yeast. And it just takes a little bit to cause the bread to rise, right? And Jesus uses this illustration over and over throughout the Gospels in both good and um, ill ways to say that leaven is is something that's so small, so subtle, but you don't really know that it's in there until it's baked in and you see the finished product. Do we see ourselves, maybe this morning, coming to a place where we find being in church, singing the songs, trying to connect with God is just something that feels like eating chalk. We've done it for years. We find ourselves knowing maybe even what the words are, but... We find ourselves far from God and obeying the truth. Well, yeah, maybe I do the Christian things, but, but what he's saying isn't obeying like, are you doing the Christian stuff in your life? He's actually saying, are you near to God? Are you close to Him? Or we say things like, you know, this Christian thing isn't really working much. Maybe I need to change something. Maybe I need something new. Maybe I need something fresh to get me excited again about what Christianity is. That's what the Galatians were thinking. Oh, these people are bringing in something new. Paul, Paul brought us something great, but this makes it even better. And now they have to continue to do more work to make, keep it up, to make Christianity work. And don't you feel that? Don't you know that? I know that. Man, I'll just be honest. I woke up this morning scattered like crazy. Something woke me up at 2.15 this morning and I woke up every hour on the hour and I don't even know why. Just anxiety, then I was tired, then I was not thinking at all. I mean, just stumbling about. Those things that come in your brain that you just kind of have, what, what is there? What is that? What is waking me up? Why do I grind my teeth? Why do I wake up and feel that? Because there's something about the way that I want to approach God, even as your pastor, to think that I can earn it, right? It's those subtle things. Maybe if I preach a great sermon, I'll feel really close to him. Is that, is that true? What false things come in that are so subtle? What are the ways that you find it? What are the ways that you've stopped praying, stopped going to the Bible? Because, you know, you know when I don't do it or when I do it, it, nothing really changes. Is that kind of what you say to yourself? Find yourself passionless, apathetic. And maybe you're here this morning, maybe you're going, what is this Christian thing about? What it's not about is loading yourself up. Because what it is isn't just so subtle effects that move us to ask the question, what's the real burden? He gets to it right here. He says in verse 10, I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. As I was reading this, the word for bear the penalty now you can read that off, off the cuff and you think, Paul's saying, whoever's causing this problem in you, I hope they bear the penalty. But actually what he wrote in there to say bear the penalty is the exact same words that are written in Greek of Jesus taking up the cross. He's saying 
that they will bear the penalty of the cross. What's the burden? See, here's the thing. When you, when you look in the Bible, you, t- you read about burdens, and you read Jesus having this discussion, Matthew chapter 11. Uh, Jesus has this discussion. Maybe you've heard this verse before, even if you're unfamiliar. The, the Gospels, the narrative accounts of Jesus. Uh, Matthew, the very first one in the Bible, Matthew 11 talks about Jesus having this conversation, and this is this conversation with people who feel oppressed, who feel loaded down. And he says, Jesus, uh, at that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. And he's not just talking about just babies. He's talking about adults. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone who, to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Here's the thing. Christianity does have a burden. You hear what Jesus is saying? There is a burden in it. Here's the question though. Which one are you taking up? Is it the one that Jesus is trying to discern? He says, look, there is a burden. He's speaking against the burdens of legalism that other people are putting in. He's speaking of legalistic ideas. Now, legalism is this. It's setting up a law in order that you can achieve it or make it or have it done. And even if you're here and you would say, I don't know if I'm even a Christian, does this matter? You actually, we all do this. We actually have all law in our lives that we set up for ourselves in order for us to cross the finish line. And Jesus is saying, that what burden is it? Because he's speaking to the burden that this group of religious leaders called the Pharisees brought in. And they weren't people that were trying to be mean. They were just saying, if you want to follow God, you got to take on all this stuff and follow him. you got to prove it. you got to show it. But Jesus says, no, no, no. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Are you laboring and heavy laden? If the burden of Christianity to you makes you find yourself com- even coming to church going, Even sitting here feeling the effect of, okay, I gotta do more. I gotta, I gotta really connect to God somehow. What is the burden that you're taking on that you think we really need to have in order to make this stuff work? Jesus is speaking against that. He's saying the burden that you are taking on is completely different from the one I'm taking. It's not one that, see, look, living under the law makes you say these kind of things. I have to do right, or I am not right. Right? Think about that for a second. I have to do things right, or I am not right. If I put my shoulder down, if I work hard enough, I can really experience Christianity at its full. That's not Christianity. It's not the weight that you can carry. In fact, the word forgiveness in Hebrew means lifted off. And one of my favorite, you may have heard me even talk about this to you individually or even as a group at one point. One of my favorite pictures of this is from ESPN2, World's Strongest Man. Have you ever seen this show before, World's Strongest Man? Some of you have heard me even talk about this before. One of my favorite things to watch 
is to watch these huge guys that literally cannot put their arms together like this, that, that are, like meet in different cities around the world, and they put, like they're not just lifting weights, they're putting like people in cages on squat racks and lifting them like this. It's just crazy. You know, like things that, this is before all the CrossFit stuff came about, so this is real CrossFit. Um, so these guys like are pulling, you know, they're like carrying rocks that weigh like 600 pounds. That's why they probably can't get their arms together. They just hold them here and they can just hold them. This is so interesting. And all their names are like Magnus and Magnus Ver Magnuson. Like this, what? okay. I guess that matters. But, um, well, there's one I was watching. It was an old version. I think it's 70s version. So they had the really short shorts and their legs were like this big and uh, I remember they had hair, kind of, I just got my cut, but they had hair that was really out like this, and the, you know, the, the, uh, the uh, red, white, and blue band, you know, those like headbands. And they were lining up for a, a 50-yard dash in, in a row uh, with a, a refrigerator on the back. And so they, you know, normal stuff. So they're like this, and it has handles on it. When you're having to put handles on a fridge to do, you, there's something not working right there. And so they line up, and they go, and they're running down the track, and they're running pretty fast. I mean, pretty quick. And all of a sudden, you know, there's this British announcer who, I don't think it was in America, who was like, oh, 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 oh no. And this guy took a step, and his knee just went completely the other way. But it was okay because they were so wrapped up, it was just hanging by his leg, right? So they're still, and, and this guy, he's like, oh no. And everybody's like doing exactly what you think. His knee is all the other way. And then he goes, oh, wait, wait, he's going to finish the race. And the guy just literally drags his leg across with the fridge on his back to finish the race. Does that sound normal? That is the idea of what he is getting at here. The, the idea of, uh, I know it sounds crazy, and I know it's a goofy illustration, but it really does, at least from my own heart, I know express what your heart probably feels as well, that a guy like me stands up here, you come to these things, you find all the ways that you can get involved, some of you are over-involved, some of you are under-involved in a church, programs, Christianity, things that spur your faith, and my question to you is, when do you stop and go, I'm trying to load it up because I can make it? And maybe you're dragging your leg across because you think you can still go. The word forgiveness in Hebrew means lifted off. There's a reason it means that. It means you cannot carry it. There are burdens that some of you are carrying that you have not just only unburdened yourself, that you're still hiding so much that you won't let anybody know. And we live under the law as to say, I have to do right or I'm not right. And we also live as the law saying, if it's right because, I, it's right because I'm the one that's doing it. That's how we live. Is it not exhausting? Is your heart not tired? And don't you find yourself in relationships, whether it's friendships, marriages, work, where the mediator, if the mediator of your life to anybody is the law, how does that feel to you? If you've been on the receiving end of that, to, to try and measure up to anything, to feel as though you're in a good relationship with somebody when every time that you mess up, it's like you're knocked back down. Sure, relationships are hard and you work through things, but, but is it a, you're right, I'm wrong? How quick we're put to put somebody on a good hook and a bad hook to do that. 
And then what does it do? It just confirms our failures and we go back into isolation. Why does Jesus say this to them? Why does he say, how does his burden light? Because he comes in flesh. Here's the uniqueness of Christianity. Jesus comes to submit himself, to put himself into the system of law itself to feel and experience that burden. Not just emotionally, but physically. You see, what he's doing is he comes into that system to know it. He makes it light because he says, the light burden, I take on all of your burden. And you take on my burden, which is just to be in relationship with me. That's what it means. If you want to know what the true Christian burden is, it's fellowship with Christ. If the law is the first yoke, notice he doesn't throw the yoke out. He says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke. He doesn't say there's no yoke in Christianity. If you're doing that, you're missing Christianity as well. He's saying, take my yoke. And what is his yoke? To be yoked up to the one who knows, who really does carry all your burdens. To be with the one who knows you, who takes you in. He says, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. For you will find rest for your souls. If you find yourself burdened with Christianity, burdened with life, burdened with everything that you want to strap on and make it through, take up the yoke again or take up for the first time the yoke of Jesus. He says it's there, it's for you. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. If your, your burden is heavy, you may be either forgetting or have never taken up the yoke that is Jesus' yoke. That frees you from that. And here's how we know. Here's the main thing that tells you that. If you look in this passage, he finishes in verse 11. He says, but if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. Because the main thing If you still feel the burden, it's because the main thing isn't there. We're preaching circumcision still. We're preaching, you got to do better. We could end here and say, God, go get them. I mean, seriously, isn't that how you feel all week long? Isn't that how we always feel about everything that tells us that? But he says, the offense, he says it here, here it is. If I'm being persecuted, then in that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. There it is. What's the offense? What's the problem? The cross has been removed. What are we actually doing when we take up the burden? It's all the subtle movements. We're saying the cross is fine, but it really needs to be removed. We preach circumcision. We preach, hey, let's get better at this. You know, I need to work at that. If you're sitting here even now and you're thinking, you know what, after I leave this, First thing I'm going to do tomorrow morning is open my Bible. That's awesome. But the first thing I want you to be thinking of is meet Jesus through your Bible. See, the offense is the cross. It means that the cross is something greater. And that's what he gets at here. He's saying the main thing is that we are offended that Jesus would have to take our burden. That it's an offense to the Jews and the Greeks, he says in other places. That is, to those who are religious, it's an offense that why would would this 
person take on this Jesus, take up a cross where I can just religiously fulfill these duties. Or even to the Greeks, those who may not be Jewish, who just live without religion at all, to say, why would we need that? I can just virtuously live this. I Pragmatically, my life is in a row. My life seems good. Everything's kind of falling into place. What's the use? It's an offense. Because it humbles us. It reduces you. It reduces me to the fact that there's no burden you can carry. This is why Jesus, in his last minutes on the cross, last minutes of dying, you know, last minute. So you think about that amazing moment where somebody's in their last moments, their breath, what do they say? Jesus in his last moment says, it is finished. Why in the world would he say that? What would free us up more? Would it be like in other accounts or other philosophies or even religions that say, strive without ceasing, take this up, do this, or would it is finished covered all. Look, we're coming to a table that cries out something new here. It cries out an offense. Because we're not just coming to something that on its own is just a meal. We're actually celebrating an offense that needed to be taken up for us. See, if you acknowledge this table, you acknowledge that your sin, your burden, your mess, the ways that you think, I don't even need to take this table, I'm good enough, if we're really being honest, this is why the cross is an offense. It's an offense to those of us who say, yeah, I can, if I really put my shoulder into it, if I really run hard enough, I can do it. That's why we need this table. Because there has been no other blood, no other body. It has not been your blood, sweat, and tears. It has been all his that has been given. And it had to be put on a cross. It had to be publicly shown. It had to be lifted up in the face of all of us in order that we know that he he really pays the penalty. There's only one who really takes the burden. How can it be easy and the yoke light? It's only if we know that we're in relationship to not the law. See, relationship to the law says you got to earn it. Before you come up here, you need to make sure you get everything right. But admittance to this table, all it says is it means, you know what? I need to trust in someone who can actually carry my burden, even if I struggle in believing that. That's what this table is. It's admitting that you want to carry it, but you can't. Could you do that when you come to this table? Can you do that even in the midst of maybe your gut wrenching? Oh, God, I don't want to admit that. But to take this means you trust in Him. Even when your faith is small, right? See, that's why the kingdom of God is even compared to that, because it becomes something larger. That's what we take. We take this penalty taken on for us in Jesus Christ. So let's stand now.